Tonight we're going to pick up from where we left off in Luke chapter 1, so I invite you to turn with me at this time to Luke chapter 1. In our morning message, we looked at uh, the angel Gabriel telling Mary about how she was chosen by God to be the one by which the Son of God would enter humanity. And tonight we pick up the moment after the angel departed from her. And we'll look at verses 39 through verse 45, Luke chapter 1, 39 to verse 45, in a sermon that I've titled, Can It Really Be True? Can It Really Be True? Being able to relate to what someone else is going through can be really special. There are many situations we face in life where we want to talk to someone who knows what we're going through, who has been where we've been, who has experienced what we've experienced. We probably all have a, a go-to person, someone that almost no matter what we're going through, we can pick up the phone, we can call them, or maybe it's someone that we live with, but we can talk to them about almost anything. But in certain situations, even those that are the ones that we feel like we can always go to, even in certain situations, we feel that they don't offer us everything we're looking for. That is why there are a lot of specialized support groups covering nearly every possible circumstance and reason for needing support. I know soldiers, when they're returning from combat, have specialized group, they have specialized therapists that they can meet with who can help them with the struggles that they are bringing home from war. People who have received horrible cancer diagnosis have the option of meeting with specialized groups made up of individuals who have received similar diagnosis, who have been through chemo and all sorts of different radiation treatments and can understand and relate to the people who have just received the diagnosis. There's a big difference when we can personally relate to a friend's trouble because we're now able to understand what they're feeling and give them experienced counsel as to how they can go about moving forward. The same is true when it comes to good news as well. When someone tells us about something good that has happened to them, there is a shared excitement with them if we also have experienced the same, same things that they've experienced. It's encouraging to be around those people who have shared similar experiences because they know how you're thinking. They can understand what you're going through and, and they know what to say. They know what not to say and they know what you need at this specific time. And this is why church is so important. We all tend to have a certain group of people, even in church, that we may gravitate towards. But we have people here that come from all different walks of life. We have a group of people who have dealt with various challenges, who have dealt with significant struggles, who have dealt with hardships and troubles, and we would spend a little more time talking with each other if we knew more about each other. We might just find out that there are people here that we can talk to that can relate to us with almost anything that we're going through. Uh, we're here in this church, and there are people here that know what it's like to lose a job. There are people here who know what it's like to receive a cancer diagnosis. There are people here who know what it's like to have a loved one that's suffering with dementia or Alzheimer's. We have people here who know what it's like to struggle to know what God's will has for them. We have people here who know what it's like to know what God's will is for them and to obey it once they know what it is. We have people who know what it's like to have financial problems and to deal with children who aren't walking with the Lord. We know what it's like living with an unsafe spouse. We have people here that know what it's like to have shoulder surgery, right? 
You'd be surprised by the people that go to this church with you, how much they can actually relate to you with what you're going through if you just took the time to get to know them. And I've just listed some of the negatives of the things and the issues that we have dealt with as a church. But there are plenty of positives that we've experienced as well. We know as a church what it's like to receive news that we're cancer-free. We know here what it's like to have God financially provide in some very unique ways. We know what it's like for God to answer prayer in some exciting ways. We know what it's like to see children return to the Lord. We know what it's like to see broken relationships mended. We know what it's like to see spouses saved. We know what it's like to follow the will of God, even if it takes us out of our comfort zone and it stretches us more than what we ever expected to be stretched. There are so many exciting things that are worth talking about with fellow church members who know exactly what you're going through and they know how you're feeling because many of our church family have been there and they've done that. Now, I'm not going to ask for a poll of who's been through these things, but just get to know some people. Plenty of church members would share in your excitement, would share in your enthusiasm through what the Lord is currently doing in your life because plenty of them have been right where you are right now. And just as a side note, if you happen to hear about someone going through something that you've experienced, good or bad, don't be afraid or don't be shy to reach out to them. Send them a letter, give them a phone call, or here's an even crazier thought, go up and talk to them at church. Crazy, right? They'd never think of it. Someone may offer prayer for a particular matter that you can personally relate to. Maybe they shared it on a Wednesday night and you're thinking, I know exactly what this person's going through because I was there. I've been through that. Pray for them, but also be a friend to them. If it's something negative, offer your help, offer your support. If it's something positive, rejoice with them. Just be a friend to one another. And please be mindful, though, to offer help the right way. None of this should be done out of a spirit to demean others or even boast in yourself. No matter the situation, I think, though, we can all and probably all be surprised how much of a support system we can be to one another if we just made a conscious effort to do so. I have to offer a disclaimer, though. There are plenty of people who are going through a negative situation that don't want any help, even though there are other people that can help them. Some people are very private, and they prefer to remain that way. And even if you seek out an opportunity to help them in the most sincere way possible, they may not want it. Learn to read people. Don't force yourself and your advice on someone if they clearly don't want it. If they close the door, don't try and force it down. Break it down. Continue to pray for them and what they're dealing with. Others may just refuse to help altogether, not necessarily because they want to keep things private, but believe it or not, there are some people that just prefer to be miserable. Now, I, I say that kind of joking, but also very serious. As crazy as it sounds, many people don't want help even though they know they can have it. They have lived with pain. They've lived with misery so long that it has almost become normal to them when things are absolutely chaotic. Many of them enjoy attention from others because of it, and they fear that with all the problems gone, no one would pay attention to them anymore. Others are so used to the pain and trouble that the thought of it all gone is almost terrifying to them. I've sat and I've counseled people who sought me out for wisdom. I didn't have to go and seek them out. They literally came to me 
And I showed them through God's word what areas of their lives they need to be working on, how they need to be working on it, and had them acknowledge that these are indeed the things that they've struggled with, and they still refuse to do anything about it. They become so used to a certain lifestyle, even if that lifestyle is literally putting them in the grave. The thought of changing things is too scary to them. And I've told people this, that they're destroying their bodies living a certain way, but they fear making sacrifices and lifestyle changes more than they actually fear death. How crazy is that? No matter how much you might be able and willing to help, some people just don't want it. But there are plenty of people who are looking for someone who can relate to them, good or bad, and will welcome, gladly welcome the help or will welcome the shared rejoicing. Now, as we turn our attention to Scripture, this is almost what we see Mary doing. Mary has just received some incredibly wonderful news, but she's seeking for someone to relate with. In the passage we looked at this morning, Mary was told by the angel Gabriel that she was chosen by God to bring forth God's only begotten son. She may not have understood all the details, but she accepted God's will and she boldly steps forward in faith to do what God has called her to do. And as soon as the angel Gabriel departed from her in verse number 38, this is where our passage begins and picks up in verse number 39. So follow with me. I'll read verse 39 down to verse 45 as we see what transpired once the angel left. In verse 39, the Bible says, And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into the city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed. For there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Now I want you to notice first, the similarities between these two women. The similarities between these two women. It was at the beginning of Luke chapter 1 where the angel Gabriel appeared to Zacharias, who was Elizabeth's, Elizabeth's husband, and he told him that he and his wife Elizabeth were going to have a son even in their old age. Now, six months after the angel Gabriel appeared to Zacharias is when he appeared to Mary, which was our morning text. The lives of these two women are, are intertwined, not just that they're related. But both would undergo some very extraordinary uh, experiences. One was too old to have, to have children, while the other was with a child supernaturally. As we consider these two women and their similar circumstances, it only seems natural that Mary would want to have fellowship with Elizabeth. She'd want to be around someone who knows what she's going through. Mary didn't know about Elizabeth's pregnancy until the angel Gabriel revealed it to her in verse number 36. Jump back to what it says here. The angel Gabriel says, And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. This is the first time she's hearing of it. But once she's heard, she's probably thinking she wants to be around her. Both women were blessed immensely and had a reason to rejoice. And Mary immediately arose and goes to see her. And that's what we see happening in verse number 39. The angel departs from her in verse number 38. And in verse 39, she gets up to go. Now, I, I, want, I want you to realize something. 
there, in some cases in Scripture where you see one verse and another verse begin, and sometimes even our, our Bibles have a division in, in the text. My Bible here has a division. It ends at verse 38, and in verse number 39, it starts a whole new section. And it's titled here, Elizabeth's Joy. Now, just because there's a verse division doesn't mean that there's a significant gap in time. In some cases, it does. In some cases, we read about where there may be months that transpire between one verse and the next verse. But here, the angel departed from her, and the idea that we get is in verse 39, she immediately gets up and goes. She maybe packed a bag and, and made the journey, but she is immediately getting up to go and to go visit with Elizabeth. She's, she's blessed. She just hears, hears about this news, and she wants to be around someone who knows what she's going through and knows that she can relate to her. So she's just received this wonderful news. Mary has herself. That is, seems too good to be true. And I'm sure she's thinking that it would just be the confirmation for her faith if she can go for herself and see that Elizabeth indeed is pregnant. She believed God's promise was true. But sometimes we as human beings, we need some visible confirmation, don't we? We almost wish that, that God would kind of part the heavens and say, yes, it indeed is true. This is my will for you. Go here, say this, talk to this person. Even though we feel it, that the Holy Spirit is nudging us, sometimes shoving us in a certain direction, we as human beings still sometimes want just a visible confirmation that we're indeed doing the will of God, that this is exactly what he's called us to do. And I think in her case, it's just, it would be the confirmation for her, the icing on the cake, if you will. She knows that the angel had, what the angel has said to her is true, but she's also thinking, man, it'd be really nice to have a visible confirmation and see Elizabeth pregnant for myself. So she, she goes out, and I think sometimes we do this as well. And we, we see in Scripture where Gideon, he put out the fleece. And he did it not once, but twice. And there are many times where we do this, and sometimes we do it over and over and over again. And maybe like Gideon where we say, Lord, just please don't be too upset with me, but if you could confirm this just one more time for me, that'd be great. And I think this is what we see her doing here, where she is looking for a visible confirmation. She believes it. But as a human, she's still kind of struggling with the gravity of all of this. Can it really be true that God's son will enter humanity this way? Can all things really happen as they have been revealed? Remember, this is not something that just happens all the time. It's never happened before. There was some confirmation that Mary would have received to see her cousin, Elizabeth, pregnant, but also she would now be around someone who could just relate to what she's going through. Each time that Ruthie was pregnant, there were occasions where she would be experiencing some sort of pain and discomfort. And, and let me tell you something, I had no way to relate to her. I've, I've never been pregnant, never will be pregnant, never can be pregnant. I have no idea the pain and the discomfort that women go through when they're pregnant. Uh, she would try to describe it to me sometimes because I'd ask her, like, can you explain it? Maybe there is something that I can relate to. And she'd kind of give me this look like, you're just crazy. But like a good husband, I tried at first thinking that I could relate to her, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Uh, she would describe pain to me that in my entire lifetime, I'd never be able to relate to. I couldn't look to her and say, you know, what? I know exactly what you're thinking. I know exactly what you're feeling. I had a big burrito and man, the heartburn is killing me. It's got to be just like what you're experiencing right now. I, I never did that, but I can't. That would not have been received well if I tried doing that. 
But when she'd be around friends who were pregnant or other ladies who had previously been pregnant, they could all talk about what she's experiencing, what they're all experiencing, and could understand how long things are going to last, when morning sickness is going to wear off, when the cravings are going to end, and how crazy some of the cravings are, and different things like that. And this is what we see happening here in the book of Luke. Two women are pregnant, and even though there is a, a wide age gap between the two, both mothers were chosen by God to be the human instruments in two of the most unusual and significant births in the New Testament. Elizabeth would give birth to John the Baptist, who was going to be the forerunner to the Messiah. Mary would give birth to the Messiah himself. So the births of both, John the Baptist and Jesus, marked probably the greatest peak in God's redemptive history. As the Bible tells us the story, we are, are given some really unmistakable similarities both accounts begin with an angel delivering the message. Both accounts mention specific obstacles that were hindering each of the women from getting pregnant. Elizabeth was barren and well-stricken in years, the Bible says. Mary was a virgin. There is no getting pregnant for a virgin. And both accounts tell us that the initial reaction to the appearance of the angel was fear. Now, in Elizabeth's case, it was Zacharias who had the appearance of the angel, but his response was, was fear. And Mary had fear as well, as she was told to fear not, there in verse number 30. But both accounts tell us that this was the initial response to the appearance, which was followed by a calming reassurance from the angel. And then each was told that they would have a son, and an objection was raised from each individual. Zacharias had unbelief. We didn't look at that, but earlier on in Luke chapter 1, he responded in unbelief. Mary demonstrated just a lack of understanding. How can this be, she says, seeing I know not a man. Two different accounts separated by six months with the same basic elements, both converging into one spectacular outcome. But notice second, Elizabeth encourages Mary. Elizabeth encourages Mary. Look at the passage once again. It says, And Mary rose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Now, as we read through this account, there are probably several things that jump out to us, maybe even several questions that jump out to us. Did Mary go to Elizabeth just to be around someone else who was pregnant? Did she go because the angel Gabriel happened to mention that, oh, by the way, your cousin Elizabeth is also pregnant? Why did she go with such haste? What did it mean when the baby leaped in Elizabeth's womb? What did Elizabeth mean when she, by what she told Mary? I do believe that one of the reasons, at least, that Mary went to see Elizabeth because she did find out that she is also pregnant. And because the angel Gabriel happened to mention to her. And Mary realized that the two of them are going to be linked forever as God had chosen to use both of them to bring about his redemptive plan for mankind. I also believe that God instructed Gabriel to give Mary the news that Elizabeth was also pregnant so that Mary would have the confirmation she needed with such unbelievable news. So God, as he's giving the initial news and the announcement to angel Gabriel before he even leaves heaven, I believe he told him, listen, now while you're down there, make sure and you let her know that her cousin also is pregnant. 
How many times do we have to be reminded? Do we have to be reassured of something that God has made clear to us even when we initially acknowledge that God is going to do it? The covenant that God made with Abraham was reconfirmed and reconfirmed and reconfirmed over and over and over again, even though God initially stated that it was going to be an everlasting covenant. As Christians, we need to be reminded not to worry because God is always in control, even though we know and we can see what he's, even though we cannot see what he's doing. We struggle with doubt, though, don't we? We struggle with uncertainty. We struggle, uh, we, we struggle with, with fear. We allow reason and logic to dismiss things that only God can do. Just because Mary was chosen by God to bring forth his only begotten son didn't mean that she was a perfect human being. She's still human. She's still like you and I. It wasn't as if she, after immediately speaking uh, to Gabriel, that she looked down and she could see her belly growing. There's a process to this. Women don't start showing their pregnancy until several months. I firmly believe that God instructed Gabriel to tell Mary about Elizabeth so that Mary would have enough insight once the angel Gabriel departed to go and to visit Elizabeth and have all the confirmation she needed that God indeed was at work in her as much as he was at work in her cousin Elizabeth. Mary believed the angel. But imagine how much her faith would have been bolstered when she arrived at Elizabeth's home, opens the door, walks in, and sees Elizabeth six months pregnant. Done. Right? The angel was right. He said you were pregnant, and here you are. You're clearly pregnant. How encouraging, how uplifting that must have been for Mary when she sees that. And some of the details leading up to her pregnancy were similar to what the two went through. So I'm sure they got an opportunity to talk about all this. But God used Elizabeth to confirm his plan to Mary in several ways. And I want to point out a few of these ways. First of all, through a personal confirmation. Through personal confirmation. Mary, Mary's visit to Elizabeth was God-ordained. Gabriel may not have said, all right, Mary, here's what's going to happen to you. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. The power of the highest is going to overshadow you. Once this happens, listen, then I need you to leave your home, go visit your cousin Elizabeth, because then you're going to get all the confirmation you need. He didn't say that, but he just said, oh, by the way, behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she also has conceived in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. Then he just moves on, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. He doesn't say, go visit her. Go talk to her. Go ask her what she went through. Compare notes. Find out just how similar your stories are. But this is what God intended. Who better to confirm this miraculous conception in Mary than Elizabeth, her cousin? And that's exactly what we see happening here. Mary would have known that Elizabeth was well past the age of childbearing. And the angel Gabriel confirms that. He says she also has conceived a son in her old age. Mary knew it had to be of the Lord. If she went down to Judah and went into the hill country where Zacharias and Elizabeth lived, knocked on their door, walked in and sees that Elizabeth is pregnant, she's going to know for sure God had to do this. So when she arrived at Elizabeth, the two women had much to talk about. I'm sure they each recounted what they experienced. I'm sure they discussed all the similarities and all the uniqueness of, of each situation as they were able to discuss it all and see just how God was at work in both of their lives. I'm sure it served as a personal confirmation that Mary needed. 
Mary was able to hear Elizabeth tell how the angel Gabriel appeared to her husband, Zacharias, and how in her old age she became pregnant by her husband, just as the angel declared. Mary heard all about what to expect with morning sickness, how long it would last, and that it's completely normal. Everything you're about to experience, it's normal. And I'm sure Elizabeth told her at what point she would start to feel the baby moving inside of her and everything else that's associated with pregnancy. Ultimately, Elizabeth reassured Mary that God was true to his word and that he would fulfill everything that he promised to fulfill in Mary. It made complete sense for Mary to make what would have been a 60 to 70 mile journey from where she was in Galilee to where she went in Judah to visit Elizabeth because who else would be able to make sense of this angelic encounter that she had? Mary couldn't approach a neighborhood friend. She couldn't go to another person that she grew up with and say, listen, I just had this incredible experience. Can you tell me? Can you understand and make sense of all this for me? No one else had that experience. No one else had such an encounter. She had to go to someone who could relate to what she just experienced. The only one that could was Elizabeth. And what a tremendous blessing this visit must have been for Mary. She got a personal confirmation. But secondly, there was a physical confirmation. There was something else truly amazing about this visit that further confirmed to Mary that she would indeed bring forth God's only begotten son. Look at what we see in verse number 41. Luke 1 verse 41. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Those of you who have children know that it's not unusual for a baby to move in the womb. Lily used to kick me from inside the womb. We'd be laying in bed, all of a sudden I'd feel this kick up against my back. Child, I haven't even met you yet and you're already kicking me? Like, wait a little bit first, get to know me first. But I'd feel her kicking me in the womb. Elijah, believe it or not, actually bruised one of Ruthie's ribs from inside the womb. This kid is like boxy, I don't know what he was doing, but all of a sudden she was in immense pain. We found out she had a bruised rib. The things that are mothers go through he's dead asleep right now too most of the time it's an enjoyable experience for the woman to feel the baby moving in the womb uh, before he or she is born it is a constant reminder that you're just getting closer and closer to meeting this little baby face to face you know the modern advancements of technology are awesome seeing uh, the, the ultrasound and seeing it on a screen and sometimes they even have these like, crazy 4D pictures which is kind of scary, kind of, I don't know, it just doesn't look right to me but they're, they're kind of cool if you like it but it's not the same as actually holding the baby once the baby's born. There, there's nothing like it and once that day comes I, I can't even begin to describe the, the joy that comes over you. But as you're feeling the baby inside, the mother, there's a constant reminder that you're just getting a little bit closer, a little bit closer to actually meeting this child for the first time. But the movement that Elizabeth felt here in verse number 41 was far more significant than just a regular flutter or just a regular movement of a child inside the womb. The reason being that this baby was to be a prophet of God, John the Baptist, but not just any prophet, one that would pave the way for the Messiah. This leap in the womb was John the Baptist's first proclamation of the Messiah. It was a silent prophecy announcing Christ's coming. How crazy is this? Because it started in the womb. 
The angel Gabriel had told Zacharias that John the Baptist would be filled with the Holy Ghost. And it says, even from his mother's womb, go back and read Luke chapter 1. When it suits God's purposes, he can use children even in the womb to accomplish his will. John the Baptist had great joy for Christ before either of them were even born. It says in verse 44, for, as, for lo, as soon as the voice of that salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. For joy. There is joy in this little child in the womb before they even meet face to face. Throughout his public ministry, John the Baptist obviously would have immense joy for Christ as well. The one thing that characterized his life was his love and joy for Christ. God was using a baby in the womb to confirm his plans to marry. So there was a personal confirmation. There was a physical confirmation. Third, there was a prophetic confirmation. There was a prophetic confirmation. Look again at what it says in verse number 41. It says, And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost, the Bible says. And then she proceeds to tell something extremely prophetic to Mary. Look at 42 to verse 45. And she spake, so she's filled with the Holy Ghost, and then she speaks with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed. For there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. How did she know she was pregnant? Mary doesn't even say a word. She doesn't come and burst in the door and say, Elizabeth, wow, you're clearly pregnant. Guess what? So am I. And I just had this incredible encounter. She doesn't say anything. There, there's just a greeting. And the greeting in those days were a little bit lengthy, but just a regular salutation, the Bible says. And based upon that, she says, after I heard it, the babe leaped in my womb. And she says, I knew, I knew after being filled with the Holy Ghost that the mother of my Lord has come to see me. God often filled individuals with the Holy Ghost for specific purposes and to deliver specific messages. Later on in, in Luke chapter 1 and verse number 67, we read of Zacharias, Elizabeth's husband, being filled with the Holy Ghost as he would go, off, go on to offer praise to God. It said, and his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and he prophesied saying. In Luke chapter 2, we mentioned this man earlier this morning, a man named Simeon, who met baby Jesus in the temple. And the Bible says of him, it says the Holy Ghost was upon him. And he proceeded to tell Mary and Joseph about the greatness of all that Christ would accomplish. Elizabeth here, in Luke chapter 1, being filled with the Holy Ghost, was an indicator that what she spoke, everything she said to Mary, was a message directly from God. The Bible says that Elizabeth spoke out with a loud voice as she said this. And the reason is, is that she is so enthusiastic over this wonderful truth, over this incredible news that Mary is going to bring forth the one who would be even her savior. It was almost as if she was shouting it from the rooftops that Jesus Christ has come to be the savior of the world. The first words of Elizabeth's prophecy were actually quite humble because they acknowledged the wonderful privilege of her younger relative. Elizabeth was already told that her son would be great. But she also realized that the son that Mary would bring forth would be the greatest of all. Elizabeth's son would be the forerunner of the Messiah. Mary's son would be 
the actual Messiah. Elizabeth wasn't jealous of how God gave her, Mary, the younger relative, this privilege that wasn't given to her. Rather, she rejoices in what God is doing through Mary. Many people are guilty of playing that comparison game. That is the worst thing we can do. We, we play this comparison game where even if both people are blessed, we think, why did they get blessed more than me? I, I, doesn't God know that I could have used what that person got probably more than what they, what they got? D does he think that I'm in less of need than this person? And we do this even when God has shown us favor in some way. We find someone that seemingly is blessed more than what we are and we think that God has shortchanged us in some capacity. And this wasn't the case with Elizabeth though. For she's genuinely thrilled and she is just overjoyed at what Mary was chosen to do. Elizabeth also spoke a great blessing for the child. Look again at verse number 42. It says, And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. The Holy Spirit within Elizabeth made it clear that Mary would bring forth the Son of God. She knew that. I don't know how. I don't know if the Holy Spirit kind of whispered something to her, but immediately as the Holy Spirit was filling her, she is now made aware that something special is going on, and specifically that Mary is pregnant and that she's pregnant with the Son of God. She knew that the child Mary would give birth to would be the most blessed child ever. Being the son of God, Jesus would have all the blessings of heaven because even in his humanity, he was still completely God. He would be holy, he would be undefiled, he would be pure, he'd be righteous, he'd be perfect, he'd be sinless in every way. Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the express image of God the Father. Therefore, he possesses all the glory and all the attributes of God the Father. When Jesus came to earth, he would receive all that the Father possessed, which was a multitude of redeemed men and women to serve and praise and glorify God forever. And when you consider some of the celebrations that we have today for children that are about to be born, we have baby showers. Some of these parties can be really over the top, can't they? Uh, we, we go kind of crazy and overboard with some of these. And, you know, rightfully so in some ways. We're excited we're excited about new life that God has brought. And so uh, we, we see some of these gender reveal parties, which they, people are very creative with the new ways they do this. Um, but either way, some people can just go really overboard and over the top with some of these celebrations. And, and it may be exciting for them. But I remember when, when family and friends put on a, a baby shower for us when Ruthie was pregnant with Lily. And I was just overwhelmed at the show of love and support that we received. We received so many gifts. And I remember thinking, as I'm packing up the car and there's not even room, I needed to make a second load. And just, you know, the car is filled all the way as, as, as full as it can go. And I remember thinking, we're never gonna need diapers for the rest of our lives. Little did I know, like two months later, we're running out of diapers. I'm thinking, how is this possible? But first time parent, you're learning things and you're thinking, holy cow, this is unbelievable. It was so incredibly awesome to see just how many people came out and all the different gifts that we were given. And I remember thinking, this child is so incredibly blessed to have so many people who already love her and they haven't even met her yet. Jesus joined humanity as a baby born in Bethlehem and he was born without fanfare. He was born without celebration. Mary didn't have a gender reveal party. She didn't have a baby shower that we know of and he came still and he came to be the savior of the world. How awesome is that? The savior of the world. 
We go crazy with our celebrations, with our baby showers, with our gender reveal parties. And here's the savior of the world joining humanity. And there's next to nothing that is being done. Elizabeth recognized the great blessing of the fruit of the womb, she says in verse 42. She also recognized the great blessing that this was to her personally. Notice what she says in verse 43. She says, and whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Jesus hasn't even been born yet. And Elizabeth already refers to him as her Lord. Did you catch that? And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Every little statement that Elizabeth made was a further confirmation to Mary that God was at work in her and that her son was indeed the son of God. She even mentions that blessing that Jesus would be on all who believe on him. Look at what it says in verse number 45. She says, And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Now Elizabeth May, she's, kind of, she's speaking in the third person here, and she's speaking about Mary, in which she says, and blessed is she that believed. And she's talking to Mary, but she speaks in the third person. And, and I honestly believe that this is done this way because there's a, a wider meaning to just, blessed is Mary because she believed. Everyone, everyone who receives God's word and accepts his fulfilled promise is eternally blessed. So you could almost say, and blessed is he that believed. Blessed is anyone that believed. Because it's truly the case. Blessed is anyone that believes in Jesus Christ. For he is indeed Lord and Savior of all and has paid the price for all to be saved as long as we believe in him. So there's a great blessing to all those who call upon him. Everyone that receives him is eternally blessed. Mary offers us a great example of how we should be responding to the word of God in our lives, how we should be responding to God's calling on our lives, how we should respond to God's leading. God didn't bless Mary because of her status or because of her position in society or because she had a track record of doing good things. God blessed her because she believed in him. Mary believed that the angel's message would indeed be fulfilled, and it was confirmed in so many ways through her visit with Elizabeth. Mary received all the encouragement, all the confirmation she needed, because we, we see later on, and we'll see this next week, that she would go on to sing praise to God, and apparently didn't even end up staying for the birth of John the Baptist, which happened just three months later. I pray that we can learn to trust God's leading when he speaks to us. May we learn to obey him even when things don't always make sense to us. God is always faithful to fulfill his word. We just meet, need to walk in obedience and service to him, knowing that in due time, his plans will indeed get accomplished. May we learn a valuable lesson here from Mary, even when we might not know that God is, is how things are gonna work out. May we know that God is always true. May we surround ourselves with godly people who can be used to encourage and confirm God's plan in our lives. What a blessing it is to have someone that you can talk to. What a blessing it is when you have a believer who is around you that can relate to what you're specifically going through in life, good or bad. Get to know the people that you go to church with. Find out how you can be a blessing to others. God may use you to be an Elizabeth to someone today or even sometime soon. Or perhaps God may use you to be, uh, God may use someone else to be an Elizabeth to you to help and encourage and confirm certain things in your life. 
There's a reason that God has brought this company of believers together here at Latham Bible Baptist Church. Don't ever forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We aren't just coming together to sing praises to God and to hear from Him. We're doing that for sure. But we're also here to be able to minister to one another and to bear one another's burdens and to rejoice with those that are rejoicing. Help one another in this journey of life. This is what we're called to do. It's possible that Mary wondered if all that Gabriel had really told her is true. And God gave her the perfect person to confirm everything to her so that she could be the perfect vessel by which the Son of God would enter humanity. Would you bow with me in prayer this evening? Lord, we come before you tonight, and we're just so thankful, Lord, that you have allowed us here at Latham Bible Baptist Church to be surrounded by so many different people, Lord, who have been through so many different challenges and struggles, experienced so many joys and, and reasons, Lord, to celebrate as well. Lord, there are people all around us that can relate to the different things that we're going through in life. Lord, I, I pray that we would make it, more of an, make it more of a point and have more of an effort to get to know people around us. Lord, there is nothing better, whether in the seasons of distress and grief or seasons, Lord, where we're rejoicing, to have and share the company with someone who knows what we're going through, with someone who knows what we're feeling and how we're thinking, and, and Lord, someone that can help us know what to do and, and Lord, know how to get through. I pray, Lord, that we would be Elizabeth to people in our lives, Lord, that we would offer comfort, that we would console people. Lord, I pray that you would use us to be a help to the people around us and to rejoice with those that are rejoicing as well. Thank you for the wonderful story that we have here, Lord, and thank you for how you confirmed so many things to Mary and that she was indeed, Lord, the, the perfect vessel that you chose to bring forth your only begotten Son into this world. We're thankful for all that we're able to read and all that you accomplished, Lord, and how you used someone, Lord, that was no different than you and I, anyone here. Lord, I pray that we would be encouraged by the things that you could do in our lives and how we can be a blessing to the people around us. In Christ's name we pray, amen.